Thank you for downloading and or streaming or watching on YouTube the newest episode of Recasted 2.0. I'm Wayne G, joined as always by Sully. Sully, that's my other podcast, and he's not even on there anymore. Joined as always by Jesse. What's going on? How are you, Wayne? And uh, no worries, I'm a chameleon. I'll play whoever you need me to be. <laughs> it's one of those things, like I just started a new job too, and I still say the name of my old company when I'm talking to customers, just uh, you get in the habit of saying things. Right. All right, but that aside, obviously it is recasted. We're going to be talking about uh, Jerry Maguire, uh, a great movie today, 1996. Before we get into it, though, obviously we like to talk a little about a little bit about some stuff going on in the movie world. And I know that uh, Loki, we talked about that, you know, last time we recorded it was the first episode we both watched it. Uh, we're now three episodes in, and um, I, I'm going to say again, we don't do spoilers because we know you people don't want to hear the spoilers. But I will say this: the end of the last episode. I thought that's it. Like it's over. Yeah, I mean, it's had me on the edge. I mean, it's it's still we still have more episodes to go, but I mean, it's it's definitely been a ride. Um, has me curious. I'm thinking I'm even have to rewatch some of these just to kind of fully get everything because these are some deep episodes. They're they're covering a lot. They are, and it's definitely building towards. I saw somebody had posted on Twitter or Instagram or something like that that we are nine months away from Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And uh, that's what this is building towards, obviously. I can't wait for that movie. I mean, I know I'm looking forward to Spider-Man at the end of this year, but Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, I really can't wait for. Right, yeah. I mean, the next several Marvel movies are going to be nothing but bangers. I mean, Thor, Love and Thunder is something that, you know, is going to be close to my heart as well. So, I mean, these these next, you know, several that are coming out are going to be such a fun ride. And I think Loki's been, you know, right along there, you know, uh, so far, three episodes in, I'm definitely enjoying it. What do you think about, or what are your expectations for uh, Volume 3, Guardians of the Galaxy? Um, I think it's, it's going to tie a nice bow. Um, and I think James Gunn has done such a wonderful job, um, you know, with the first two. And they obviously brought him back to, to tie this bow. So I think it's going to, um, you know, I don't think this is a spoiler at this point. I think it's going to kind of let us know, you know, or, or hopefully it lets us know where Gamora is or, you know, what happened, answer some questions, you know, just give us more insight on those characters. And uh, maybe it'll be a spinoff after that. Um, but, you know, these are characters that I came into the Marvel Universe having absolutely no idea about. And then, you know, falling in love with a lot of them. They've been on the same journey, um, you know, from the originals up until that, that huge battle with Thanos. So I'm um, excited to see where James Gunn takes this, uh, this group. I think it's normal when something comes to an end to feel sad about it or, you know, upset about it. And I think that, unfortunately, I feel like that's happening a lot with the Marvel Universe because I've grown so attached to this universe that, you know, when Cap was done, when Iron Man was done, like that hurt. And now again, hearing that this is the last time Dave Bautista is going to be Drax. He's not going to be Drax after this. Like, I can't deal with all this loss. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely tough. I mean, we spent, you know, a, a long time getting attached to these characters, you know, playing them for several movies. Um, but Marvel has, you know, done a great job of, you know, trying to introduce, you know, that new wave. And I think, you know, Spider-Man is part of that wave. And obviously Scarlet Witch is going to start screwing up that wave. So, um, you know, I think I mentioned this in a former episode, but, you know, just like us Patriot fans say, you know, in Bill Belichick, we trust in Marvel. I trust right now, you know, they've, They've not steered wrong, you know, often enough for me to not trust what's going on there. Well, I wonder if after all of this kind of starts to trickle down or kind of come to an end, you know, because there's always so many new characters you can come out with that are in the comics, right? Right. There's talk that Marvel or Disney might buy DC, and then could we start to see them make us actually become attached to the DC characters the same way? We haven't seen a really great DC movie in a long time. It'd be so weird to see them under that same umbrella, even though, I mean, that umbrella seems to be so, so big. But I'm sure there are many DC fans out there, whether it be fans of the paperback or fans of, you know, the cinematic world that just want to see them done right and, and done ju with justice. Um, that, you know, they know that Disney, they, they have the money to get the right people and they just have that right that right touch, you know, whether it be director or cast, they know what they're doing to really put out a really bang, a really good movie. So um, if that happens with DC, I'll certainly be intrigued. I saw the last trailer for, uh, was it Tomorrow War? And I, I was really confused the first time I saw this movie because I didn't understand what the premise was. I'm like, why are they going back in time to recruit this guy? Like, what's so special about him? 
we'll come to find out from the last trailer that we saw. It's like they're actually just doing like a draft almost. So like going back in time and saying, hey, we need as many of you that will come to the future as possible. And he volunteers to go help save the Earth. But the other thing that pops into my mind is I don't understand why don't they just go back in time to when the aliens first arrived since they have a time machine and fight the aliens then instead of continuing to fight them in their time. Because then they wouldn't be able to get your money if you to go see that movie one. <laughs> Um, I honestly haven't seen that second trailer. Um, I saw the most recent trailer for Shang Chi, and I thought that looked amazing. Um, but yeah, the the Chris Pratt movie doesn't really tickle my fancy yet. Have you seen the previews for uh, anything else? I mean, I haven't really followed a whole lot. There's not a whole lot coming out. I mean, I did see like said, the Multiverse of Madness thing. We watched Loki, the Tomorrow War, but it seems like it's going to be a slow summer, not a blockbuster summer. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm, a, I'm a big Rick and Morty fan, and the newest episode uh, came out this past Sunday, and so tomorrow night will be um, the newest episode of this hit season. And, uh, you know, it's one of the best cartoons that I'd say have come out in the last decade, and uh, certainly adult theme, so I wouldn't watch it with your daughter. Um, but uh, if you uh, give it more than just that first episode, because that pilot was very rough, but if you just give it more than that first episode and... Uh, you know, maybe even just give a you know YouTube a search for like best of. Uh, maybe you can get uh, somewhat attached to them, but uh, it's one of my favorite cartoons and uh, very funny. So that new episode I really enjoyed. Um, after uh, what some would say was a, a down fourth season, I definitely need to find a new show. And one I've been watching at night occasionally before I go to sleep is a move. It's a TV show on I think it's History Channel, and it's called um, The Food That Built America. And they're like snack size editions, so they're 30 minutes long plus commercials. Uh, but it's like, you know, how McDonald's got started, how Frito Lays got started. Um, so, and it's really, really super interesting uh, just to see how these start. Is that hosted or narrated by a specific person? No, they have like a collaborative people that will talk about what's going on. But it's really cool and really interesting again to see how like Pizza Hut started off as like this little restaurant that was owned by people who had never cooked a day in their lives and they just built this empire. Wow. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I mean, I'm a big food guy. All right, so I don't really have much else. I don't know uh, if you're ready to jump into this uh, Jerry Maguire recasting. Show me the intro. All right, let's do it. going on everybody we are going to be recasting the 1996 jerry mcguire it is written and directed by cameron crow who had written previously fast times at ridgemount high and say anything with john cusack he had directed anything but prior to that he just really directed mostly like music videos and so this is kind of a big deal for him but it was a big deal that all these actors wanted to be in this movie and you and i talked about before we get started that, you know, Tom Cruise is my all time favorite actor. I'll say it as many times as I have to say it. And he is the star of this movie. I'm curious to get your impression of this film going back and watching it maybe a second time this week. Yeah. I mean, it, it's always a fun movie to go back and see. I mean, Jerry Maguire is, uh, it's, he's an excitable character. Um, you know, and I think there are fun characters in the movie. I think, um, knowing it's a sports movie, it's one of my favorites, um, to go and see, um, I don't love a lot of Tom Cruise's movies, to to be honest. Um, so this is one that's you know more than tolerable. I think that's kind of my my barometer. Is it tolerable? And, and he, this movie's more than tolerable. So um, I really enjoy this movie. Um, I think there are some uh, some awesome you know portrayals by uh, several people, and uh, I'm excited that you know you gave us the uh, the opportunity to recast this one. Yeah, of course. Um... I really, really enjoy this movie, and I think that it's, uh, you know, Cuba Gooding Jr. got his first Academy Award for this movie. Tom Cruise could have theoretically been nominated for an Academy Award for this movie. I thought he did a really great job, and it's a sports movie, so why wouldn't I like it? Do you, do you love uh, Cuba? I love him in this. As an actor in other movies, I'm not a huge, huge fan of. I really enjoyed him in as, as a Men of Honor. Yeah, with uh, De Niro. Yeah, I liked him in the movie Instinct with Anthony Hopkins. Okay. All right, so 
jump in. We'll jump things right off, obviously, with Jerry, who is played by Tom Cruise. In this movie, Tom Cruise is 34 years old. And let's just say at this point in his career, he really needed no introduction. He had done everything. And so he is the megastar. Yeah, he is. He is certainly the megastar. Um, you know, we've uh, like we spoke about prior to uh, jumping on the air. This is the first time that um, in our um, old or new name um, that we're going to be doing uh, an actor for the second time. So um, had to play with the creativity um, when it came with this guy. Um, so, uh, yeah, Jerry was a fun guy. Um, you know, you want me to go ahead and uh, jump in with who I, I, Oh, sure. Hey, knock yourself out. Okay. I didn't know if you want to start off. I know we really didn't go with an order. So. Yeah. So what what were your, what was your train of thought here? Uh, so, uh, you know, somebody who, you know, looked to be about 30. Um, I think he, he looks about 30 here. Um, I don't think he looks any younger than that. Um, but, um, you know, you said he, Tom Cruise was about 34 coming into it. Yeah. Tom Cruise was 34 in this role. Yeah. And, and I don't know if I chose, um, quite a, a mega star, um, but I chose somebody that was certainly familiar. And I think somebody who, um, have, I think can step right in and, um, you know, really do this well. And, uh, that to me is a Franco and not the bad one. It's uh, David Franco. So the younger of the two, um, they are both the exact same height. Um, it's right around um, you know the same age. I, I believe right now um, David Franco is 28. Um, so it's um, a few years uh, difference there, but I think um, you know they they look similar uh, height wise, look wise, and uh, I think that I've seen David in probably more um, comedic things. Um, you know I'm going to draw from Neighbors um, there and uh, also the um 21 jump street and 22 jump street movies so um i'm gonna pull you know from there but um i I know that he has the ability to you know to be serious in this i trust yeah i like Dave franco i think that i've seen him obviously in now you see me now you see me too uh, as the magician and i think that he kind of looks the part of the tom cruise character i i don't know he wasn't on my short list and i'm trying to think of what it was that yeah, well, because <laughs> <laughs> I joke. Five, seven. <laughs> so, um, no, but I think that, you know, the big thing with me looking at this from, again, we look at it as directors, we look at it as producers. And one of the things is obviously when you see a movie poster and it has Tom Cruise across the top of it, you know what you're going to get as far as a megastar. If you see Dave Franco across the top of it, is that driving in hundreds of millions of dollars revenue? Uh, you know, touche. You know, I it was hard to find somebody that's you know even going to come close to replicating what Tom Cruise can do. Um, and uh, I may have put all my my marbles in that first basket when I casted uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but I wanted to be more creative and and not double dip there. So I went with somebody that I think you know fit that height requirement. But you know, of course, he doesn't have um, nearly the acting chops that that Tom Cruise or others do. It is funny it is that we funny. talk about the height requirement, and yet when we recasted Tom Cruise in A Few Good Men, uh, I had a guy who's six foot four play that particular role. Um, but uh, I'm, you I'm, know, trying, I'm trying to get better. <laughs> no, but this uh, role in particular, you touched on it, and it's a great point that it's so difficult to recast Tom Cruise. And we talked about it when we did A Few Good Men. His personality, his energy that he brings, his screen presence that he is just about. Sure. You can't duplicate that. There's nobody in Hollywood today that is Tom Cruise. He's well, one of the That draw too that you're saying. I mean, you know, there's there's barely anyone that fits, you know, that age that you could put in a poster and you go, there it is. So I mean, that, that, I had a short list and I just, you know, I went with the, the short guy. So, so I went with. I'll have some interesting almost recasted at the end of this. I had some that I was really close, but what I ended up going with is a guy that we discussed for our last film that will come out in a week, so I don't want to spoil anything, but the actor I went with was Jake Gyllenhaal. I think that he absolutely could portray this role. He's a big-name star. He's going to be a draw. He is the right age. He looks the part. He I can picture him with that energy. You know, who's coming with me, right? That's I can totally picture Jake Gyllenhaal in this role, and he was a guy that, when I had, had my two almost recasted, and it really was between two people, he just came out of nowhere, and I was like, all right, because the other two, I felt like I'm not going to get that box office. And this guy, I'm like, Jake Gyllenhaal is going to bring people in. 
Yeah, he's got the bigger bigger name of the two people um, that you know we presented, and you know, uh, you know, I remember him most recently from that second Spider-Man movie um, with Tom Holland. Um, you know, he was obviously in Brokeback Mountain with Keith Ledger, um, and many, many more. Um, so great, great actor. He's got the bigger name and the more draw. Um, and uh, not somebody that you know I thought of, um, but you know, certainly you know fits the bill. Did we have? Rod Tidwell or Bob Sugar next? Uh, we had Sugar next. Sugar, okay. I wasn't sure. Uh, but so Bob Sugar, if we get into that role, obviously it was played by Jay Moore. This was his first movie role. He had done like the Jeff Foxworthy show. And an interesting story about this is he had actually come in to read for the part of Cush because they had seen him playing in the Jeff Foxworthy show with a Southern accent and stuff like that. So they said, hey, bring him in and have him read for Cush. Well, I guess he read so well that the casting director said, what do you think about Sugar? And they had him get prepared. He came in, he auditioned, he crushed it. They had another director. He came in again, he crushed it again. Then they had him read opposite Tom Cruise. And eventually they were like, all right, this is our guy. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know that little nugget. I love when you bring those little uh, things that I never would have thought of or heard of. Uh, So, I mean, the fact that, you know, he went in for, you know, what is, you know, really a a smaller part, um, you know, but he ends up getting, you know, more, more words, you know, a, a larger script. Um, and you know, I think, you know, a a part that really fits in better. Well, I think that you have to cast a role here and this is a character who, uh, is very smarmy and very sleazy and slimy and dislikable. And just, you want to punch him in the face when you see him sitting across from Jerry firing him at the restaurant and Jay does that so well. I went through so many different actors that I couldn't. I could find good actors, but I couldn't find somebody that really captured Bob Sugar. Plus, he's got to be a little bit younger than Jerry because, remember, Jerry's his mentor. And it's ironic that I casted a an actor who's older than the character I casted for Jerry. This actor is older than um, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. But I think he could look a little bit younger and at very least the same age. But as soon as I say this guy's name and you think about him, he encapsulates everything that is Bob Sugar. And that is Scott Kahn. Uh, who was a tweeter in Varsity Blues. He's in Hawaii Five-0. He He um, is James Conn's son. He's also in uh, Ocean's Eleven. He's one of the brothers, him and Casey Affleck are brothers. Yeah. Um, just super punchable face, super you just hate him, and I feel like he would be such a good Bob Sugar. Yeah, definitely a smarmy guy. I think that word, you know, it, it's an immediate label of ugh. Um and uh, so uh, I think that guy, I mean, I remember him most, um, you know, from uh, the Ocean's Eleven there. So, um, you know, definitely a recognizable guy, recognizable face. And uh, I think, you know, having a, a slight punchable face was important here. Um, I went with a guy that you're going to be able to recognize, um, you know, pretty immediately. Um, and I think he is a, a really good actor, um, you know, and, um, you know, it, that may depend on what you're going to immediately draw from memory where you remember him from, and that is Michael Sarah. I think across from, uh, you know, David Franco, he's, he fits the age. I think he can certainly look younger, um, and uh, I don't know if he is younger than Franco, but I think, you know, both, you know, look younger. Um, and Michael Sarah, um, you know, from Superbad, Juno, um, very funny guy. Um, again, you know, I, I guess maybe my... Uh, Jerry Maguire's gonna have a little bit more of a comedic feel to it uh, so far, but uh, I think Michael Sarah um, it was also when this is the end, um, and I think you know he can be a punchable guy. Well, I hate to uh, come out negatively, but I, I hate this casting of Michael Sarah. I'm gonna say that it's about, because... time, it's about time we had some hate and heat here. Some few, just... few episodes we haven't had any heat wins. Yeah, let's let's let it out here because I think that the issue with Michael Sarah is when I think of sports agents, particularly the sports agents that are portrayed in this film, you think of sharks, you think of killers, you think of people like in uh, the movie Hitch. You got the guy who's like, check it out, power suit, power tie, power staring. You know that kind of attitude, just like a, a ultimate macho killer guy. Everything that Michael Sarah is not is what I think of for a sports agent. And Michael Sarah seems like the guy who would work in the mailroom at a sports agency. Drew, Drew Rosenhaus looks like a power guy to you. Oh, he's a mega power guy. He's got the slicked back hair. Look at the suits. I mean, he just looks... He looks like a tough sleazy. <laughs> right, right, but Michael Sarah is not sleazy. He's a nerd. He's like... He, he should be playing Jonathan Lipnicki's part if we casted the kid. 
Well, I appreciate the honest feedback, man. Uh, you know, I just think that, you know, age-wise, you know, him and Franco could certainly fit there and they could be rivals. All right. Um, I'll have you, uh, obviously, it's your turn to kind of lead things off. We've got Cuba Gooding Jr. as Rod Tidwell. I'm curious, uh, again, this character, what you're thinking in terms of traits and then uh, who you ended up going with. So I wanted to go with somebody that had, uh, you know, an athletic body, but not somebody who was too ripped. Um, somebody who could, uh, you know, certainly carry, uh, you know, the lines that they needed to in the film. Uh, so somebody who has a history, whether it be in movie or, or t- TV or Broadway. And uh, I went with somebody that I felt needed to be, you know, about, I thought, 30, 33. Because um, I felt like it wasn't somebody who was, you know, on the upswing of their career, but more on the back nine of the career. And I, I think that's what Rod Tidwell is. He's trying to secure, um, you know, those last few contracts or that last contract. Um, so for this character, I went with somebody, and I don't know how familiar you may be with him here. Um, but, uh, you know, honestly, I, I've, I've got a lot of criticism from you in all these episodes about how I go to A-lister. And maybe, maybe it was to my own detriment here. But I went with uh, Jesse Williams, and he is from Grey's Anatomy. Um, and uh, he's got uh, the uh, similar physique. I know that he has spent over a decade on this show. Um, I think he's got the look as well, not just in in the body, but in the face. And I think that, you know, he could, uh, you know, look like a player who is on the the downturn of an NFL career. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of a guy who's getting his last contract, right? I mean, they allude to it in the movie that this is going to be his last contract. It has to set him up for life. Um, So he's going to be, I mean, Cuba Gooding Jr. is 28 when he played this role. I think 30 to 33 is perfect. Again, that's like that 20, you know, 27 to 32 is that last year of a wide receiver really having his stuff, you know? Um, so, yeah, so I agree with that assessment. Jesse Williams, who I think is actually a good actor and I think fits this role fairly well. He actually fits the role, I'd say, better than the other two cast members. Like you said, to, to your detriment, you're kind of looking at the budget and trying to stay away from the A-list stars. With a Cameron Crowe movie, these are movies that, if you look at the cast of the original movie, I feel like you're putting together a Jerry Maguire movie, which it works so far with the first three picks, but you're it's almost like you have a tenth of the budget of the original film. So you're trying to save some money here. Yeah, I was, I was, I'm getting real nervous about the... I was getting real nervous about the Wayne criticism with the money. I, I felt like you were going to add a cha-ching buzzer into uh, the uh, podcast here. So <laughs> I should do that. I should. I, I'll have to take, uh, you know, that into consideration more. You know, honestly, I'm looking at actors and actresses, and I haven't even peeked at, you know, who we have uh, as the, you know, the director uh, more more often than not. So um, I'll be more considerate with that, but uh, hopefully this cast, you know, overall doesn't end up disappointing you. Okay. Um, like I said, it's not a bad pick. It fits... Again, you're consistent with the the picks and, and keeping the flow of the film. Uh, like I said, I just think that the flow is, again, it, it's a money-saving thing with the, with the characters you've casted. Um, but I think you've done a great job. If, if I had said, hey, you need to make this movie and I'm only giving you $20 million, like you're crushing it. You're hitting it out of the park because the actors are great, but they're just, I feel like you need to spend some money. Yeah, mine's going straight to TV and yours is certainly, <laughs> yours is certainly the blockbuster. Well, the guy I cast as Rod Tidwell isn't a huge star necessarily. Um, but again, similar things to you. I'm looking for an athletic build. Um, maybe a little bit on the smaller side because that was one of the knocks on Tidwell is he's not a 6'4 wide receiver. He's 5'11 or 5'10. Uh, he complains. He's got to be egotistical, right? He thinks very highly of himself. He wants the world to, to notice him. He's a showman. And I actually ended up going with uh, Donald Glover here. Uh, Donald Glover is, uh, for those of you who don't know, he was a voice in, I think, of Scar, maybe in The Lion King. Uh, he was a writer on 30 Rock, but really he was in the show Atlanta, I believe. He was on Solo. He played um, uh, Billy D. Williams' character, Lando Carissian. He was Lando Carissian in the movie uh, Solo. Um, he was in The Martian. So he's been in some stuff. Uh, he's not a, a super mega A-list, but neither was Cuba Gooding Jr. at this time. He had done Coming to America. He had done some smaller TV stuff. Uh, but he wasn't really a huge star. So this guy, this movie made him a star because he won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. I think Donald Glover is waiting for that breakout role. The roles that I've seen him in, I think that he could play this role as that egotistical wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, I think he has that frame, and he has so much versatility. I don't know if you uh, – I don't know how, how often you may dip into the rap game, but he also is a musical artist and goes by the uh, the alias of Childish Gambino. 
Okay. He has he has uh, several songs that you know even I enjoy. Um, so Donald Glover is Childish Gambino. Um, so actor and musician. So super versatile guy. Um, and again, probably has more of that wide receiver frame. Um, so uh, certainly fitting um, for the role that he needs to play. Um, and I think that you know I would pay to see him give me you know the, the give me the money, show me the money scene. <laughs> Such an iconic scene, right? Show mm-hmm. me the money. Um, that and Quan, right? It's like some some athletes they have the the respect, they have the money, but they don't have the Quan. Right. <laughs> um. All right. So, do we have Dorothy Boyd? Was our next? Uh, uh I had Kush. Kush. Oh, okay. Uh, so Kush is played by Jerry O'Connell. He is the hot football prospect, the guy that Jerry is representing. That's going to actually save his career when he gets fired from IMG or whatever uh, he was at. And Jerry O'Connell is 21 years old in this film. You pointed it out to me before that he's very young. Uh, before this, he was in Joe's apartment. He was Joe. He was in Stand By Me. He was the fat kid. Stand By Me. Um, so he hadn't really done a whole lot. He's a very young actor. And it's a smaller role. You know, he's only in a handful of scenes. And basically, it just had to be somebody who I felt was young, decent looking, looks like a football player, looks like the quarterback. You know, the guy is the captain of the team. And had to be believable in that particular role. He's kind of a dummy, right? He doesn't deal with any of the finances. He lets his dad handle that, you know. And so I ended up going with uh, Dylan O'Brien, who's from Teen Wolf and Maze Runner movies. Uh, You know, he's, again, he's a younger guy. He looks the part. I think he's a little bit older. He's 29 instead of 21. But he looks like he's a teenager, which is why he's in Teen Wolf. And so I think he's just the perfect fit for this. Again, didn't need a whole lot of acting chops for this role. You're going to have about... 22 lines yeah yeah uh, i think uh i'm not super familiar with that actor so i can't give you know probably the most in-depth you know criticism you know whether it be you know constructive you know or positive um but i think that you know at least for you know what you said it has to be somebody who can fit that build of a a raw but a football player someone who's going to get drafted towards the top somebody who's going to really help save jerry's career or so we thought um and so i'm, I'm gonna eight mile this a little bit and i'm gonna i'm gonna start roasting myself before you can start roasting my picks <laughs> um <laughs> just give my honest feedback on them and i think um you know there are a few picks here where i probably dipped into the money bucket um and uh, probably didn't need to um so maybe i should have taken some of this um push budget and moved it over to jerry um or, or even uh, rod uh but i ended up going with uh Ansel Elgore, and uh, you know, you'll know him from uh, Baby Driver. He was in the Divergent series and uh, The Fault in Our Stars. Um, he is, uh, you know, right around that same height, right around that same age. And I was just really trying to look for somebody who could give me an athletic build and someone who could be a believable guy, you know, who's going into the NFL. I want a young looking fella. Yeah, yeah, there's no need to roast yourself. That's a great pick. I, I like this pick for him. Uh, it's somebody that I considered as well for the role. Um, I, I think I only went maybe too big of a name. I thought maybe you'd come back with. Yeah, well, that's why I didn't take him for my role because I didn't. I thought maybe he was a little bit too big for my cast. But it's you got to have some big name stars in your movie, so it's <laughs> good that you got this guy. Maybe people go show up to see him. But I think he fits everything that this character encapsulates in terms of physique, in terms of the look, in terms of the personality, everything that I've seen him in. I think he's a dead-on, perfect Cushman. So I think that this is actually a fantastic pick. I don't have anything negative to say about it. Awesome. I appreciate that. I think he even he even plays kind of a quieter guy, you know, where I think, you know, Cush's dad seems to do, you know, a, a lot of the, the, the real power talking. Yep, exactly. Well, even when he first calls Cushman, or Sugar calls Cushman, when he's trying to take all of Jerry's clients, right? He answers the phone, he's like, this is Cush. And it's like, Kush, it's Bob Sugar. I just want to know, how does it feel to be the most blah, 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 whatever. And then Kush is like, Dad, it's one of those agents. Mm-hmm. Um, which is funny. I'm going to say this before we move on about the draft in this movie. I feel like when actors or directors, I should say, directors, writers, take on sports films and they aren't sports fans themselves, things show up like the way the draft works. The draft does not work this way in real life. They're talking about how there's 32 teams falling over themselves to pick this kid number one. No, there's going to be one team falling over itself to pick him number one (laughs) unless somebody wants to trade up, uh, which 
again, in the movie, San Diego trades up or wants to trade up with Denver. And really, they're trying to negotiate a contract with a team before the team actually picks them, which does happen with the first overall pick. But they're saying, all right, so San Diego wants to trade up to Denver. And the dad's like, well, what happened to Denver? Well, if Denver really wants them, they don't have to trade that pick. Like, I don't know how Cameron Crowe thinks the NFL draft works, but it doesn't work like it does in this movie. No, he definitely had his Hollywood uh, his Hollywood glasses on when he was looking at the NFL draft. I mean, you know, in the NFL draft, you have maybe, you know, five to seven teams that are clamoring for a top quarterback, but there's definitely some that have theirs secured. <laughs> so they're still uh-huh. figuring it out. So as we see every year, there's about a handful that are looking for that top guy, but not an entire league. No, now we're on to Dorothy, right? We certainly are, yes. And uh, so this is somebody that I don't believe that I've casted already, but you'll be able to correct me on that. And uh, so for Dorothy, um, you know, Dorothy is Renee Zellweger originally um, in the film, correct? Correct, yes. Okay. Sorry, I didn't want to talk out of school if I was going on a tangent here mistakenly. Um, So, yeah, Renee Zellweger... um, works um at the same uh facility the same area that uh, jerry works at and when he goes on his tirade uh she's the one that follows and uh ends up becoming uh, quite a love interest um and uh you have me at hello um so uh i went with someone that i've known for a long time and uh that is hayden penitieri i uh i felt like across from david franco this could be someone who you know, would follow him and, you know, be passionate when needed to be and, uh, you know, end up being becoming a love interest of, you know, my David Franco, my, my Jerry Maguire. She's, she's uh, fantastic and perfect, I think, for this role. She's very pretty. One of the things I thought of with Renee Zellweger's character in this movie is she's very wholesome. She is a single mom. She's pretty, but she's not gorgeous. That was Avery. Avery's the gorgeous one. And right. Renee Zellweger is like the just pretty one. But She's independent. She has that personality that meshes well with Jerry, where she's not going to outshine him or try to take the world by storm with him. She's comfortable in his shadow. Uh, And so I think that, yeah, Hayden Pentier is is fantastic. I think she looks the part. I think that she plays the part so well. Uh, Again, back-to-back home runs, I think, on your part. I do want to give you a little bit of a trivia. I know you've seen the movie recently. You mentioned Dorothy Boyd. She works in the office with Jerry. Where does she sit? In particular, I don't mean like they reference it in the movie where she sits. Right. Oh, man. Back to trivia. Um, I'm not pulling it. Uh, well, in the airport, when uh, she can't find her son and she sees Jerry Maguire, she's like, Jerry Maguire, I work in your office. I was on the junket. And he goes, Dorothy Boyd, you have the side middle cubicle with the picture of Albert Einstein's head morphed on Shaquille O'Neal's body. You would remember that. <laughs> that's that's a line that I, I, I didn't uh, store in my noodle, but uh, that's that's awesome that you were able to just pluck that nugget. And uh, what an image, too. <laughs> um, but yeah, so when I was casting this role, I kind of took all of those similar traits and I said, I need an actress. And I went back and forth with a lot of different actresses because, again, it can't be a bigger star than my star. And it has to be somebody who's pretty, believable that he would fall for her wholesome, shy. I ended up going with Alicia Cuthbert. So she was the new girl uh, in that movie. She was the main character. She uh, is in the TV show called The Ranch. That's really where I've been seeing her a lot because she's in that with Ashton Kutcher. She plays his love interest. She's a little bit older. She's 38, but my Jake Gyllenhaal is 40, so it's perfect that they have that age range. Um, Obviously, she's in House of Wax, The Quiet. She hasn't done any major role. Most people our age would know her from The New Girl. Uh, Or no, is The Girl Next Door? Or is the new girl? The girl next door. Girl next door. Okay. So very pretty in that movie. And she still is pretty today, but she's not a knockout. She's just pretty. And I think that she fits that Dorothy Boyd role. And she has that personality, at least in the roles that I've seen her in. Yeah, I, I would say uh, the girl next door in House of Wax is definitely where I, you know, I can pull, you know, her from. And uh, very, very beautiful woman. Um, I, I love the word you use, wholesome. I think that fits both the actresses that we chose. Um, I think those are the type of women that, you know, you take and you, you show off to mom. Um, and uh, so I, I think great pick for you. Um, I love the direction of your cast. And uh, I think that she, she's great. Um, I'm, 
Gwyneth Stewart was such. I mean, I remember her being such a hottie in that film. But yeah, I mean, she's she's certainly grown since then, and so have I. Uh, we're moving on to uh, Avery, correct? Yes. So Avery is the opposite of this character. <laughs> Avery is uh, very beautiful, very glamorous. She is a power woman. She is in this to win this. She is every bit as fearsome as Jerry is, and they're supposed to be a power couple. And once he gets fired, obviously, she cuts ties with him, and she's like, I'm out of here. You're not the power guy. I need to be with somebody powerful. So kind of a ruthless person, not somebody who you want to fall in love with because she's only with you as long as you're on top. And as soon as you're not, she's gone. Um, so looking at this role, Kelly, uh, Kelly Preston originally played Avery, the late Kelly Preston. This is John Travolta's wife. She died last year. Uh, very unfortunate, but she had done a lot of stuff before this movie. She was in a lot of TV. She was in the movie Christine. She was in um, twins. She was in space camp. So she's done a lot of kind of bigger movies before this movie. Very beautiful. Like I said, that's one of the traits. I went with Rachel McAdams, who uh, you guys might know from Mean Girls. Um, she was also in The Notebook. She's in uh, The Hot Chick, um, well, Sherlock Holmes. So she's in quite a – she's very, very pretty. She seems very cutthroat, very power couple type second person. So that's kind of what I was thinking going with her. Yeah, I mean, she she has a good sense of humor to her too. And, and a lot of things that she's – like I mentioned, uh, she's in Game Night across from Jason Bateman. So um, I love Rachel McAdams, and she has, uh, you know, a, a great, you know, set of films that she's done, and I think she's awesome. Um, I think, you know, you and I probably went into Google and were like fiery redheads, <laughs> redheaded actresses. Um, and uh, so I went in there, and um, my original one, um, which I'm going to go ahead and go with here, and I'm going to move my other one here to the almost. Um, is um, is Emma Stone? Okay. Uh, you know, she was uh, most recently uh, Cruella. You know, which uh, Disney wants you to go see right now. Um, um, but you know, also in uh, Easy A, uh, Super Bad, and as, you know, she plays a badass in Zombieland. So uh, I think she has the the balls to stand up to just about anybody. Um, and when Jerry tries to break up with her. Uh, he tries um, um, because she ends up turning it around and pretty much, you know, saying, you know, you're not good enough for me anyway. Um, but I can certainly see her having that chemistry with David Franco um, and, and really spinning that situation and being that power woman that she needs to be. So I'm excited to tell you who my almost was because that's who I have written down. But um, with the direction of my cast, you know, she's going to bring some of that power too. Yeah, absolutely. I think that she actually oozes power and intensity and I think that definitely great fit with the rest of your cast um, in terms of age and in terms of, you know, how she plays off of the other characters. I can definitely picture her punching James Franco in the face and being like, you know, you don't deserve me or whatever. <laughs> I'm better than you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I can absolutely picture that. Um, so, yeah, so it fits perfectly. And I have no issues with Emma Stone uh, as it fits within your cast. I think she's the right age for the rest of your cast. I think everything else fits into place. I think if, we had picked her before the rest of the cast. I might have had more criticism, but again, seeing the way that your cast is playing out, this is like again, it's a perfect puzzle piece. Fits right in. No need to hammer it down. Awesome. I, I appreciate uh, you know the, the generosity towards the end there. Um, next, I have Marcy. Is that um, is that okay for me to go ahead and uh, let you know who I picked for that? Absolutely, Rod's wife. So first, I'm going to go ahead and give you some of the characteristics I, I felt from her. Um, so, of course, we've seen this actress before. I, I can't think of her name right off, but... Regina King. Yes. I, why that name wasn't on my new is beyond me. She's in one of my favorite SNL uh, bits more recently. Uh, I'm a weed gummy. Um, where She's a cop that takes a bunch of weed gummies. Um, um, but, yeah, she's super decorated. She, um, um, I'm pretty sure she directed that movie, The One Night Miami. Oh, she um, might have, yeah. She's a, she's a big actress now, and I think she is getting into the directing side of things. Yeah, so um, she she was powerful to me in, in the movie. Um, you know, when the, the contract negotiations, um, or at least some of those discussions are happening, you can see, um, you know, she, you know, Rod's looking at her and she's looking at him. Um, you know, really discussing. You know, we're gonna bet on us. You know, you know, we're gonna play this out. We're gonna get that next one. We're gonna bet on us, you and me, baby. And so I needed to find somebody who's gonna fit across from, um, you know, my Jesse Williams, my Rod Tidwell, but also be, I think, a little bit 
she wears the pants, in my opinion, and I needed to pick someone who wore the pants. And um, in that in that situation, I picked, and I don't know how familiar you are going to be with her. Um, her name is uh, Naturi Naughton. And if you've seen um, the movie uh, Notorious, it's the Biggie Smalls kind of uh, movie. You know, there's several of them out there, but she plays uh, Lil' Kim. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, Lil' Kim, you know, of course, who she is portraying, you know, powerful woman, um, you know, loud, boisterous, um, you know, gets her opinion heard. And so uh, I've, I, I have a nice almost for this that, you know, I'll let you know about later. But, uh, you know, I felt like with the look and, the, you know, just the powerful personality, this is a good pick. Yeah, I like the pick. And I think it fits, again, perfectly with uh, your cast. And I think that she is the kind of person who would have that big personality. I agree with everything that you said that she I don't think that she wears the pants. I actually think her and Rod have the perfect symbiotic relationship where each one has a leg in the pants. You know what I'm saying? Like they're both equal partners in this thing, but she's very big and boisterous and loud because he's big and boisterous and loud. And so she has to match that and he's intense. She's intense. uh, You know, and he takes her advice very seriously. It's almost like the perfect marriage, which Jerry alludes to when he says, not everyone has what you have, you know, it's, he's got this perfect relationship with his wife um they love each other uh passionately and they're both also focused on you know his profession and getting what he needs to get to the end of his career so a very very strong woman i obviously i have donald glover as my rod tidwell so i thought the perfect symbiotic wife for him would be uh kiki palmer so uh kiki palmer now she's been in 98 movies according to imdb but most of them are like music videos or like kiki palmer at the oscars kiki palmer at the golden globes it's not really like actual movie roles or tv roles um but she's in single ladies uh she was in 90210 uh, again she's a very strong woman very pretty uh but again not overpowering pretty and she just fits perfect she's the symbiotic you know donald glover i think that they fit perfect together right i think I think that's great for your, your cast. I, I do think that her and Donald fit like a glove. And she was probably my almost, almost. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you're you know, when you're scouring Google and you're, you're, you know, you're going with your criteria of, you know, what you're looking for, she popped up so many times that she made my almost, almost list. Um, so very familiar with, you know, the look and, uh, you know, what she would look like across my Rod Tidwell. Um, but I think with your cast, it definitely fits awesome. Nice. Um, so we're wrapping things up in the cast with Chad. Now, Chad's another throwaway character. We did it with JoJo with the bad boys. We just wanted to get to eight. So we're like, all right, we could pick anybody in this movie. And we went with Chad. Um, he is the nanny. He takes care of um, Ray, I think it is. And yeah. uh, which I always remember Ray because uh, pardon my French, if you got kids listening or whatever, is when he's like, Ray. Fucking zoo is closed, Ray. <laughs> I laugh at every time he says that. Um, but the uh, the nanny is so good, and there's actually that great scene uh, on the porch when he's had the date with Renee Zellweger, and he's like, "I want you to use something." And Tom Cruise is like, "No, no, please, no." And it's a CD. He's like, "Listen to this. It's John Coltrane. He's jazz. a genius. Jazz." <laughs> it's so uh, the character was originally played by. Yeah, quirky. Todd Luiso played it and uh, does a lot of TV. He was in the movie The Rock, but it's again small role. He's just a very funny comedic actor, and so I wanted to think of somebody who would be funny, comedic, who you could believe is into jazz, who's got to be a little bit of a nerdy side. Somebody who Dorothy wouldn't be attracted to, but is likable, I guess, in this role. I went with Dimitri Martin, who is obviously a famous comedian and has that kind of nerdy vibe to him. He's very funny. You could definitely picture him being into jazz and having that CD ready to go to hand to uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. So uh, I thought he would be a perfect Chad. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I love Dimitri Martin. He, you know, his comedy with the big writing pad, and you know, sometimes his instruments. Um, his his comedic time is timing is awesome. He's probably within my top ten comedians. So a great pick there to flow with your cast and to put the capper on there. And uh, mine, you're gonna be more familiar with. Um, it is someone and. That Jesse, as soon as I knew you, you said the porch, I knew what you were talking about. And I was like, oh, I pulled it out. No, 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 no. Um, you know, I wanted someone who, who fit that bill of being, you know, quirky. Um, you know, not the best looking fella because, you know, Chad's not a, he's not a looker. Um, and so I wanted a, a goofy looking fella who looks goofy, acts goofy. And I think just with my cast, it flows. And that's Jay Baruchel. 
Um, he's, um, you know, the lead voice of, uh, you know, in how to train those, how to train your dragon movies. Um, but he also has chemistry with Michael Sarah, um, and, uh, some of these other guys, some of these other stars in uh, the, this is the end movie where in that movie, he is not, he's, he's kind of talking about how I'm not really on the same level as you guys, you know, I don't really do the exciting stuff you guys do. Um, and so he, he I just think he like you said, throw away, but as soon as I saw the jazz scene, I was like, man, his voice, uh, Jay Baruchel is my guy. I like Jay Baruchel, and I actually play basketball with somebody who looks exactly like him. He's a doppelganger uh, for him, but he, uh, obviously his lead role was in uh, She's Out of Your League, right? Uh, getting the hot girlfriend. Uh, he's a funny, funny guy, and I can definitely picture him being the jazz guy, and maybe a little bit more nervous and twitchy version of uh chad because chad yeah. seems kind of mellow but barishal has an energy to him so yeah, I, I could definitely see that yeah this was a very fun one to do um you know uh of all the movies we've done you know uh, like i said exciting you know to i think be thrown the curveball of, of doing an after the second time and you know i think we both are too good to double dip in that same basket so it was fun to see where we went and then, you know, with some of these side characters, you know, it's fun to see what we do. And I think with uh, the beginning of mine, I really didn't hit the budget out of the park, but then I, I think I, I ended up doing it well elsewhere. So um, I love your cast and I, I love mine. So exciting to see the pictures and, and what you do with technology there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we'll get sure. some people voting on it and seeing how they like it. And I'm curious, before we get to that, uh, you mentioned some almost recasted that you had. Yes, yes. Uh, so... Uh, for Rod Tidwell, I've mentioned him almost every episode here. Wayne, I almost made Rod Tidwell O'Shea Jackson, but that just wasn't going to work. I just, I'm going to pigeonhole Ice Cube's kid into one of these movies, man. I'm telling you. Um, who else did I have here? Um, all right, so my Avery, my, she became my almost while we were recording here. Um, but um, up until then, she was my definite Avery, and that was. Uh, her name is Evan Rachel Wood. Yep. yep. Um, so uh, she's uh, Queen Iduna in Frozen 2, and she's also uh, the lead host in, on Westworld. So has that leadership, um, you know, kind of quality to her as well. So uh, that was someone who I'm not familiar with the show Westworld. I've heard things about it, but I've not watched it. And I just, I was reading about her there and the kind of, um, you know, description she's gotten there. And I thought that would have been nice. Um my uh, my Jerry O'Connell um, again. I was looking for somebody young. Um, and um, have you ever seen the show Shameless or heard about it? I've heard of it. Yeah. All right. So one of the kids, because there's a bunch of kids. Um, one of the kids, um, his name is Carl, and um, he's uh, right around that same age. Um, the actor's name is Ethan Kukowski, um, but um, he's uh, he just wouldn't have played. I I thought maybe he'd have been Kush um until you know kush is uh, a quarterback going towards the top of the league so you're thinking six two six three um and this actor is five five so it just wasn't gonna fit i thought you shredded me there um and uh i think uh lastly um for the uh the marcy tidwell character that's rod's wife um i was thinking of megan good um seen her in a lot of things um but i think um i pull her most from uh, biker boys Okay. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, definitely see a lot of those. I will say that my Jerry, like I mentioned, Jerry, um, Jake Gyllenhaal kind of came out of uh, third place and just took the lead. But there were two guys that were battling for Jerry. I know the second one you're really not going to like. Um, but the first one I thought of was uh, Chris Pratt. I thought could play Jerry Maguire. Um, I can picture him screaming, show me the money on the phone. and doing the who's going with me. He's got a comedic aspect to him and kind of an energy like Jerry does. And then the second one was Ashton Kutcher. Um, I felt like I'd seen him in enough roles where I felt like he could do this role. But at the end of the day, I couldn't pull the trigger on him because, again, he's a little too goofy to be Jerry. As much as I like him as an actor, he's too goofy. So I went with Jake Gyllenhaal because I feel like he has the seriousness actor, but he could have that energy and that kind of funniness rather than going with a funny actor who could be serious. Who is your top almost again? Uh, Chris Pratt. Okay. So I, I think um, Pratt absolutely has the, you know, the draw, um, you know, that, that would have been needed somewhere on that cast and, and probably most importantly him. Um, 
But I just think maybe him and Ashton are a little bit older. Um, I think they certainly do have that comedic aspect that um, I don't know if we see as often in, in Jerry, but um, I would have liked to see Ashton probably more so than Chris. Um, yeah, I haven't, yeah. haven't seen Ashton in a, a long time here, so I wouldn't mind seeing him try and pull this off. And I see this as more serious than comedic, so it would have been something that I would have enjoyed seeing him try. Um, did, was Zach Efron on your, your mind at all for Jerry? Uh... He may have had his name on the list, but not really made it far in the uh, the battle. Considerations, yeah. I mean, that probably would have been my only. I mean, just with the direction my movie was going, um, I think um, you know he was my my only consideration as an almost outside of David Franco because I think you know that age range and I think you know the star power. Efron's done a lot of stuff from High School Musical up, and you know he's continuing to build a name. So I think he would have fit. You know, checked a lot of boxes for me. Yeah, uh, the only other. Almost recastable, two of them uh, for Rod Tidwell. Uh, we had just recasted him, but JDW, I thought of obviously for Rod. Um, he played a slot receiver in Ballers, so it makes sense, you know. But yeah. I don't want to typecast the guy, we don't like to typecast people, right? And then uh, the one that I had almost recasted was for Dorothy. And, um, you know, like I said, I went with Alicia Cuthbert because uh, she's a little bit prettier, but I almost I was on the verge, I maybe even put her initially as the lead was Isla Fisher. Yeah. who was in now you see me one and then she was also in um definitely maybe she's very wholesome like we talked about that wholesome character um and i thought she would have been really good there but then at the last second i switched it to cuthbert yep i remember looking at her a lot as well in my consideration so uh good picks there um but i think you know together you know we, we go head to head and we'll leave that loud up to the audience but you know host to host i i like the cast you put together uh, cool. Yeah, I like your cast. Uh, again, it's for a lower budget. If I was making the movie, I wanted to save some money. I'm using your cast, but again, I was I was opening the wallet for this one just because I was looking at the cast that they originally had, and I was like, all right, I can spend some money on this. Absolutely. Yeah, I I, I love what you put together, and I'm really excited to see the pictures. I I, I can't say enough about you know what you do, and uh, you know you, you send it out on all our social platforms, and we've gotten some interactions, you know, earlier on today and all weekend, and. I know that you continue to let us know of our show's progress and how every episode we're continuing to grow. So that's the hope and that's the goal here. So uh, I love that we're continuing to do what we want to do. That's right. Our most recent episode, which was uh, Bad Boys, is our most listened to or most downloaded episode now. So hopefully this one will now pass that one. And obviously check us out on social media. We are at Recasted Podcast on Facebook. We are at Recasted Podcast on Twitter. And we are at recast the podcast eight on Instagram. Um, so definitely check us out, interact with us, give us ideas. We have other podcasts that are reaching out to us to do joint shows because this is a really cool idea that nobody else does and everyone wants to get in on it. So you should be getting in on it as well. Absolutely. If you love movies and you're on any of those social platforms, check us out, follow us, converse with us, um, you know, and you're going to be able to see our pictures, um, um, whether it be our faces or the ones that Wayne puts out for our movies. So please interact and let us know what you think. All right. Thank you, everybody. Again, we'll work on an extra or whatever it's called, exit music at some point. But for now, uh, bye. Bye, guys.